Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Awaken Together podcast. I am Jen, and it's just going to be me and a special guest for this episode. I want to start off by apologizing for my raspy voice, but I know our guest speaker has so much to say. She has the most beautiful brain. We met on TikTok and literally ended up discovering that our life was full of synchronicities from both having ADHD, both being yoga teachers, both being physical therapy assistants, and both having a love of TikTok and putting concepts together, bringing a bunch of uh, conversation topics and merging them together, which is like just so beautiful to like have conversations with our special guest, Oriana. Welcome. (laughs) Hi. Hi. (laughs) Sorry so much for my voice. Like it's just really squeaking. (laughs) I am so happy you are on and I'm so happy that the world like brought us together with like the, just the way we think I nerd out on mind and body stuff with people all the time and they just don't quite connect all the dots the way you do. And so I love you for that. I know. I love like whenever I'm unsure about something, I'm like, I know Jen will understand. (laughs) It's so special. It really is. Um, And so, yeah, we are going to really delve in. Oriana has a background in pelvic health. She branched out from physical therapy school and really put her focus on that. And you might be wondering why pelvic health is a topic for a spiritual awakening podcast, but Oriana, do you want to share a little bit about how some of that pieces together and just kind of paint the picture of what you do? Yeah. So I do work in pelvic health, physical therapy. And for those that don't know, it means that I work with the pelvic floor muscles and all the muscles that, and everything in the body that affects the pelvic floor muscles. Um, So I work with the diaphragm. I work on regulating the nervous system, trying to decrease muscle tone or increase muscle tone. Um, And I work with the spine, et cetera. But I love what I do because a huge part of it is just focusing on the nervous system. And I, after like going to school and starting from a yoga background, focusing on meditation, you know, having so many like aha moments in my life where I just felt so at peace and at one with my own body, my nervous system, and which is like everything in the universe. Um, having those aha moments and then learning that those aha moments are moments where you're just connecting with your nervous system, like where you just, your nervous system is at peace. That's when I realized that like treating your nervous system correctly is probably one of the most spiritual practices that you could ever have. Um, so it's a really, I don't, you know, tell patients that I'm like, oh, this is a spiritual practice for you, especially if that's not what they ask for. But I definitely love focusing on the nervous system and a huge part of that affects your pelvic floor in so many ways. Yeah. So on our podcast, we have, we have definitely delved into trauma work. We've talked about the nervous system, but just for a quick review, you have like two branches of the nervous system. One that responds as like our stress response. So flight, flight, freeze, and fawn. Then you have the parasympathetic nervous system, which teaches our body to rest and regulate and self-soothe and feel safe. And there's really just like such a correlation to being in high stress, not knowing how to find mindfulness, not knowing how to ground down into your body, and then having all this dysfunction pop up in our bodies because of that, our physical, our physical bodies really show the state of our nervous system. And the pelvic floor is like a huge map for that, right? Oh my gosh. Yeah. And so like two things with that, um, I will tell a story about a patient I had, um, 
that was not related to pelvic floor access will treat ortho too. So I had this one patient who got into a really big car accident and she hurt her wrist really bad. And then this is a few years later, we're treating her. She was training for a triathlon and she kept feeling this really bad wrist pain, but she got imaging done. We were working on her. We couldn't find anything wrong with her wrist. She was just training for this triathlon. She was in a lot of stress and that fight or flight type of response. And then once the triathlon was done, her wrist stopped hurting. And so it's just kind of a big reminder that your body really does remember times when it was in pain. So the same thing happens with your pelvic floor, where maybe you felt shame about your pelvic floor at some point in your life. Maybe somebody had came into your space at some point in your life. Um, little things like that have can make your pelvic floor contract and stay contracted. Um, and, or your pelvic floor is one of the first set of muscles to contract when you're stressed. Um, and we can go into like why that happens, but it's one of the first set of muscles to contract when you're stressed. So if you're constantly in that upregulated state, then your pelvic floor is just going to get tighter and tighter and tighter. And that mm. tension can eventually lead to pain. Yes. Thank you for sharing that. And, and yeah, educating it's, it really is fascinating because I think sometimes we can get so addicted to that stress mode. We don't even realize how much dysfunction it's causing us. It can feel like a sense of control when you've stayed in that stress response so long. But I mean, from years of working with patients too, I have nine years as a PTA. I've seen so many patients that I'm, I'm treating them for, you know, certain diagnoses or certain injuries. And as I get them to focus on what they feel in their body, slowing down, connecting, I've had so many people's like trauma stories come up. Me and you have definitely like nerded out about this because it's wild that there's not so much of a bridge in the way we're taught in healthcare for mind, body, spirit thinking. And yet when you're in the field and you know how to kind of hold space for those things. And you really teach people to tune in and calm down. A lot of stuff can come up a lot of stories. Yeah, a lot. Um, and it is, I, I would say one of the hard parts about my job is that sometimes you'll get people realizing that they need to process things that are very intense for them. Mm -hmm. um, and like, sometimes whenever you see that literally happening right in that moment, it could be a little bit of a bummer, but it's still a good, like, it's such a cool job to have in the sense where it's like, Hey, I can just be like this Avenue for you to figure out like what else you need to dive into mentally and emotionally. Yeah. And you're teaching them a lot of tools that regardless of, um, how much they're willing to go into the story behind it, you're teaching them a lot of tools that in time will help regulate them anyway, but yeah, yeah we'll give a little trigger warning before this part. So we can kind of delve in but I would love to hear just kind of, um, yeah, some of the stuff you've seen coming up with the pelvic floor. I know me and you have talked about this in conversation a little bit with kind of a religious trauma background, but I know you also see a lot of dysfunctional stuff in the pelvic floor when people have a history of SA and other things that have happened. Yeah, it is. It, that's a huge part of it. And like I said before, like if your pelvic floor had to contract because you were stressed when a stressful event happened and that stressful event was extremely traumatic, then the likelihood of it contracting again when that area is reached, let's say during childbirth or during intimate time with somebody else, then that will definitely come up and cause pain. Um, and then the religious trauma background part is so interesting to me because often, not, I don't know. Oftentimes it's not necessarily like touched, but people feel so much shame and they've learned to like tell themselves that, Hey, I shouldn't, I shouldn't like 
feel good when it comes to my pelvic floor area. Yeah. I shouldn't address it. I shouldn't pay attention to it. It's bad. Or if they do anything to their pelvic floor on their own, they feel really guilty. They just feel so guilty for like very normal human feelings, like to have these like very like hormonal things happen in your pelvic floor. They feel so guilty about it. And then they come in and they have what's called like a lot of them have a vaginismus. I can't say the word vaginismus. <laughs> you know, my dyslexia. I can't say the word right now, but it's, um, it's basically when the entryway of your pelvic floor doesn't want to open up, it doesn't want to open up at all. And so that can lead to a lot of pelvic floor dysfunction, a lot of pain, a lot of pain with intercourse, et cetera. So, um, that part blows my mind. And it's such a shame because the pelvic floor, like, I don't know, I've been thinking about this a lot lately, that if you create a child by enjoying a time with a partner, and that's like one of the most beautiful things that you can have. It's a shame that religious trauma has made you feel shame for that. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And coming from, uh, yeah, I've shared on this podcast many a times my religious trauma background, but it's a, it's a thousand percent true. Like, I just don't think a lot of people without the background of it realize how much shame and stigma that adds on top of a society that already really hasn't made us feel like inherently safe and like uh, bleeding bodies. Like it's just, there's a lot of shame and secret around your period, a lot of shame and secret around how your body's holding weight. There's just so much critique. And over time that starts to have you not feel like you can move your body certain ways. You're uncomfortable with certain pelvic movement. You're uncomfortable. Yeah. With touching and, and, uh, connecting to that space. And so much of that is teaching yourself. I mean, we know like a lot of like, it, it helps calm your pelvic floor. It's a huge regulator to be able to yeah. self-pleasure and connect with that and be sensual and dance. Dancing even has a huge correlation to being able to activate the other part of your nervous system that actually makes things relax and regulate. It regulates your hormones, your blood sugar, your yeah. appetite. Like so many things are connected when you feel like you actually belong in your body. So it's unreal how much it all correlates and connects. Yeah, it blows my mind because even thinking about the chakra system, um, that's where the sacral chakra is at. And that's about creativity, going with the flow, just like very like womb-like features, um, a lot of just like really like good, good, good vibes. And I feel like it, I don't know, it just, it's something I think about a lot. Um, I don't know. Yeah, that root, that root and sacral, I think is one of the most common to get dysfunctional. I feel it a lot when I do Reiki on people. And it's, I just, I think there's a really big trust in fully connecting to that side of yourself. Also the opposite is way over connecting to sexuality and pleasure and constant, like wanting to stay safe and comfortable. That's the other side, which is just as much of a dysregulation, but there's supposed to be to such a perfect balance and nurturing that space. And you don't see it a lot. And I definitely, my root was my most dysfunctional for a really, really long time. And I've definitely learned a lot about pelvic health as I went into physical therapy. And I definitely watched as I connected and learned that there was no way that I, I remember actually one of the first kind of like aha moments for me, I, I started getting uncomfortable around other people, like expressing certain things. I definitely started getting into people pleasing mentality, but I started real, really reflecting when I realized that I couldn't even do stuff by myself. Cause I felt weird about it. And I was mm-hmm. like, if I can't even dance in a room by myself when no one is watching like sensually and like moving my hips and lowering to the ground and like 
feeling like every movement is safe. Like how much distrust do I have for my own body? And I, I think like it was really in that moment of knowing I can't even move my body certain ways by myself that I was like, I need to start nurturing and fixing this relationship to me. And that was done through a lot of touching and connecting to that space. And like, even just holding pressure around my root and like learning to breathe with it, like little things that definitely, I think because of my religious trauma, I thought certain movements were going to taunt the men in my life or yeah, God was going to look down on me. I definitely had a lot of those stories ingrained in my body and to heal it and feel safe again. I had to do a lot of work in that area. Which is just such a shame. Like I said, it's just such a, like that whole area can be such a beautiful part of your life. And it's also a really important part of your life because so many people come in, like, basically I was going to say this too. So like the way that your pelvic floor works is that every single time that you breathe in your pelvic floor, ideally will relax. And every single time that you exhale, your, your pelvic floor will contract. And so as you take like more shallow breaths, whenever you're stressed out, your pelvic floor tends to stay up a little bit. And then if you take more deeper breaths, then your pelvic floor tends to move around a lot more. And, um, I don't know. I just, I forgot where I was going with that, but (laughs) that's so, that is so helpful to have that picture. But yeah, it's just like, I, I think that like being able to have that breath and like being able to to just kind of connect, I don't know. Well, I think, I think because you had yoga teacher background, you probably were able to start connecting, you know, to a lot of your body beforehand, which is why we love to share how important yoga is because yoga does regulate your nervous system and build a connection to your body and a trust with your body. But yeah, tell me how much you use breath work to kind of navigate some of this stuff with clients and what you have seen um, struggle wise with breath work, because breath work really sets the tone for our nervous system and then sets the tone for our, our pelvic floor and then sets the tone to how we relate to others and how we show up. I mean, it's all there. Yeah. So that's actually like yoga's reason why I got into this in the first place. Cause when I was in the PTA school, I was just like, I don't know what I want to do. Like, I don't really see myself working in like an orthopedic clinic. And then, um, we got to the pelvic health lecture and I was like, oh my gosh, this is focused on the diaphragm, focus on pelvic floor relaxation. This is everything. So that's what got me into it. Um, and all that was like all of its breath. Right. So I literally teach breath to every single patient and I teach different types of breathing. Um, for those that don't know, whenever you exhale, your heart rate, uh, decreases, right? Like your heart rate goes down and every single time that you inhale, your heart rate has to increase. So that way it's taking in more oxygen and pumping it through the blood. And so whenever you are in like an upregulated state, you want to exhale longer. So that way you can slow down your heart rate. Um, so I teach that kind of stuff to my patients all the time, but sometimes you'll get patients who are like, I just can't breathe. They get so lightheaded with that. And there's a lot of different tactics that you can use to kind of help people with that. Um, doing like open mouth exhales or like the cleansing breath that people do in yoga or having people like move as they breathe, like with cat cow, thread the needle, that kind of stuff, making people do that, um, usually helps them actually begin to breathe a little bit better. Um, and then some of my favorites are like telling people, Hey, I want you to breathe in pause, exhale, pause. And like just having them go through that a little bit and then being there, just like put your hand on your belly, focus on how that feels going up and down those types of things. I use breath seriously in so many different ways. And I usually get the response of being like, normally I get lightheaded, but that helps. And I think it's because breath should be like, we should understand how to breathe more in every profession. Um, Mm -hmm. And just telling somebody, oh, you should try breathing. Like it doesn't work like that. Like you have to address it in a certain way to make it accessible to every person, if that makes sense. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, um, yeah, breath work is super, super undervalued. And it's also something that it's tough to paint the picture. You know, when I share yoga, some people be like, I'm not into it. And it's like, honestly, I wish I could tell you it's like a non-negotiable because we all desperately need a practice that's making us focus on our breath. And that is just like kind of a check all boxes. But I just think, I think it's hard to make yourself sit and like do the work on that. And I think it can feel kind of unnecessary or silly. And especially since our body gets addicted to the way we are breathing and adapts really fast, it can feel so foreign and difficult that it doesn't feel necessary to work on. But what what comes as a result of focusing on that is like night and day different. I think we all felt it doing yoga, but maybe didn't fully piece together what we were doing. Um, I did physical therapy first, then yoga. And it's funny because you did yoga, then physical therapy. And I got it right away. And I fully understood like what was happening as I was in yoga teacher training, except I also think that you know, I had a lot to learn on like the surrendering part because I was so into yoga at first just because of the breath work and the correlation of physical therapy that it was kind of, it took me a lot more um, time to kind of like let go into the flow state of yoga because mm-hmm. I was like overanalyzing, you know? Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> yeah. Right, classic, classic. Yes. But I also love, so you work on a lot of exercise in addition to, so can you talk a little bit about how I think exercise, this is another thing that I've unpacked, especially through TikTok. People get very defensive when you talk about the importance of exercise. I think there is so much diet culture and body shame stigma and all these expectations around exercise and what it looks like and what it's for that. I think when you bring up the term exercise, it's just so triggering and so shame provoking. I really like the term body movement, but you know, me and you are both very passionate about body movement and how it connects. Can you talk a little bit about how that is a huge part of regulating your nervous system? Oh my gosh, it's huge. So, um, I just like to preface this too, that I used, I grew up from a family background where nobody really moved or they really struggled with fitness. They really struggled with their bodies. Um, so I didn't grow up around people who were moving a lot, like ever. And learning how to find a movement practice for me was really, really, really difficult. And so a lot of the stuff that I talk about um, usually comes from a place of being like, look, I know how hard it is to get up and get started, but like, let me give you the very basics that you can do. So that's like thing number one. Um, thing number two is that the nervous system, like some people are in those, like they're in such a fight or flight response that they're in that freeze response where they're in that dorsal vagal state. So Mm -hmm. it's like, you actually need to get their heart rate up. And then there's also those people who are like way too up, like way too upregulated and they need to, you know, come on down. So you can use the body with movement with both of those. So you can do things like trying to raise the heart rate up, trying to stimulate certain muscle groups, Um, and it doesn't even have to be that complicated. It could be something as simple as like, if you're in a free state, you know, like calming your nervous system down and then trying to like push into stuff. So that way your core will work. Um, those really, really help. And then also if you're like super duper upregulated movement, nice, slow, steady movement with your breathing can really like downregulate to use up that energy. So it really depends on like what state you're in, but movement is medicine. That's like my biggest thing is like, no matter what movement you need, it's still going to be what you need, whether it's like a nice calm, like flow or something that's going to kind of like wake you back up again. 
Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Thank you for the examples too. And yeah, I, 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 I am such, I know me and you probably are so similar in our routines, but I am doing like body work a lot. Like it's, I've just really lumped it in. I think with both of us being neurodivergent and we're both dyslexic by the way, which is a fun little, I like add on to, but, um, yeah, I think because of my ADHD, I've had to like really lump task. I also struggled. I was a very overweight kid. I had lots of body shame issues growing up. I had mom that talked about her body weight all the time. It was just Mm -hmm. so much was built around it that exercise, like doctors have been telling me to exercise since I was so little. I didn't, yeah, I just had such a bad relationship to what it even looked like, what it was for. I never would have thought it's for regulating my nervous system to help me feel safe in my body, to help me be able to move energy in my body, to help me with greater connection to this earth, the people around me, who I am, like, it's such a spiritual, it's such a spiritual thing. And when you start changing your relationship to it, a lot of that starts unpacking, but I just had to lump a lot of tasks. Like I sit on the couch and when I'm watching TV, I'm like sitting on a ball or I'm bouncing or I, I put ankle weights on and I'll just lay on the floor and just do a couple movements every now and then. Like I'm always playing with my body And Mm -hmm. I think me and you are both very sensitive to this, which I appreciate on your TikTok. I know we're coming from the same place with this, but it's, it's never going to look one way for everybody. You know, this, the same things that can calm somebody's body could be the very thing that stimulates someone else's. So there's Mm -hmm. never like a all encompassing thing. Although breath work is probably the closest to all encompassing, but it's, there's never going to be one set of movement patterns that is going to fully be perfect, but really playing with what feels pleasurable in your body, what feels like it's leaving you feeling better playing with that stuff. We just love to give people a lot of tools for their toolbox on our TikToks for little things you can play with that you can add to your daily routine, like getting up and shaking or I like to put ankle weights while I'm like doing the dishes or even just walking around the house. So I'm getting extra resistance while I'm walking around, like simple little tiny changes instead of this picture of like this perfect gym routine for 45 minutes and monitoring your heart rate. That's like one of the biggest things I always tell people too. Um, It's like, I don't, I realistically, if I'm giving you a set of exercises to do at home, I see you doing like one in the morning, one in the afternoon, and maybe like two at night. Like I don't, I don't expect people to like suddenly become these like gym rats when they come into yeah. Um, and then the same thing goes with like, if I'm trying to prescribe, not prescribe, but like trying to give, you know, down regulation type of techniques. It's like, I don't expect you to come in and be like super Zen next time I see you, like connecting with your body and finding what works for you takes a lot of time. And it takes dedication to just be like, you know what, I'm going to like stay connected. And I think it's important too, to recognize that like, because there is so much trauma and so much difficulty that comes around, like connecting with your body. Like when you connect to your body, you've been scared to connect with it for a while because of pain or whatever. It's scary. It's like Mm -hmm. so scary. Like you'll start to like thoughts will come up. Things will come up and you'll be like, Oh no, I'm afraid of that. Oh my gosh. What is that? Like, Oh, I don't like how I'm thinking about that. That's like really scary. And so I think it's important to recognize that like people go through that and that's normal. And like, maybe seeing a mental health professional would help too, but, um, but still moving through it and, and just like letting those emotions and those thoughts and just like that discomfort at first, when you're initiating something, letting that kind of like pass over you is probably one of the most powerful things you can do to get over it, you know? Yeah. 
And so I've talked about emotional releases that happen in yoga, like while you're connecting with your breath, teaching your body to feel safer. Sometimes that will really be the facilitator and you're opening spaces up that also close off from trauma. So when you're highly stressed, your body pulls yourself into more protective patterns. It tightens your hip flexors. It tightens your chest muscles. So when you're in yoga and you're taught to like all of a sudden expand those spaces, it can definitely bring a lot of stuff up. I've had a lot of cries on my yoga mats, tons of students crying. And I do think it's helpful when you have a yoga class or a yoga teacher, someone there to make you feel safe. Mm -hmm. um, it can be hard to have a lot of that come up alone, but I'll share in my journey. Like I started doing a lot of mirror work when I told you I couldn't even like be behind closed doors and dance. So I started just trying and a lot came up, but I also knew it was for my better good. And I think I could override a little bit that. I was safe because this was something that I actually needed. And I think before I would have maybe written it off as being like unnecessary because I was just so scared of the vulnerability behind it. Mm -hmm. But as I let myself start moving and connecting to my form, like, and what it looks like in the mirror and how I touch myself and just trying to break that disconnect, I would do it in really small doses. Like you know, start off like two songs maybe, and just try. And then I'd sit with what came up and just do a song of breathing or pull my journal out and write about it because it took baby steps. It took baby steps for me to not feel weird. And it took a long time for me to de develop that relationship that I really was never given a fair chance with in my childhood to connect to. And like, it's important to like, I know, I think about this a lot, the parallel between like resistance exercise and things that like in your life. Right. So like whenever you choose a, re like, we have to go against resistance in order to strengthen a muscle, right? Like that's mm -hmm. just like, whether that resistance is gravity or it's us kind of like pushing into something, like you have to, you have to go against something of resistance eventually if you want to get stronger. Right. But like that initial resistance sucks. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and like it's hard. It's not comfortable. It's not fun. We feel weak. And it's like that, that happens with so many other parts of our lives too. So like being able to feel comfortable with yourself, being able to kind of get past those vulnerable moments. They, they may feel like a little uncomfortable at first. So like you have to push whenever you're going through resistance and it may be uncomfortable at first. Um, but if you do it little bit by little bit, you're just going to get stronger and stronger as you push through it. Yeah. And that's a great reframe for exercise. A few other things I like tell people is just to remember that it has exercise is, has nothing to do with how it's going to change your physical form. Like what's going to make you like lose weight or put on muscle. Like, I feel like that should be the last reason to do exercise body movement. I think it's so important because it teaches you how to work with your breath. It teaches you how to tune into sensations. It is mindfulness at its basis. When you are exercising, it's very hard for that monkey mind and like overthinking and all those like excessive thoughts, it's hard for those to come in as loud. And so exercise for me is one of the only things I can do to like shut my brain off for like a second, which is huge for me. And I, I really developed a relationship to that silence that comes when I'm moving my body it took a long time to get there, but it's so, it's so freaking important. And for me, I mean, I realized how much it was going to like loosen energetic like holds that my body had. And at the same time, every little bit of movement practices you're doing is overall painting a picture to downregulate your nervous system to where you are not in high stress because those stress hormones that pump through your body when you are in toxic 
sympathetic nervous system response upregulation, it starts to destroy your body. So it's so important. Exercise is not there to feel like this threatening thing. It's really there to develop a relationship, mind and body, which ends up like plugging you back into what, what the beauty of this whole thing is. I agree. And I think like, even if you think about sensory needs and how like tapping into what your sensory needs are, uh, helps out with you regulating your nervous system. You know, it's like, if you just kind of figure out what makes you feel good sensory wise while you're moving, you'll probably find more enjoyment out of it, which will help to downregulate your nervous system. So absolutely. We're so, yeah, we love our sensory cat also is so into sensory stuff and sensory is teaching your body. You're safe. When you focus on one of your senses, it's giving yourself an input to like hone in and stay mindful and stay present. I've made a lot of TikToks about adding sensory input to your meditation. So touching, uh, adding touch sensation, adding weight, adding a visual thing to stare at, like putting something beautiful on the screen or uh, doing a candle, creating incense, something that hones you in. And I've shared this on here before as well, but I'll say it again. When you really hone into the five senses, you really start to strengthen your sixth sense. And you really start to be able to hear your intuition a lot more, which is where I think mind and body ends up becoming like mind, body, spirit. Exactly. I use that five, four, three, two, one, that sensory, um, meditation. I use it so much every single day at work. Like, yeah, go ahead and share it. So we have it. (laughs) Yeah. So for those who it's a pretty popular one for those who don't know it yet, I'm so glad that you're listening because this is one of my favorites. It's you look and see five things and you notice these things in detail. So you notice five things in your environment and then you listen to four things. So like what four sounds do you hear? you feel three things. It could be like the temperature. It could be fabric on your skin. It could be what muscles you're contracting. You find two things. I like to find two things that I can taste because I can differentiate two types of taste in my mouth. And then one thing that you smell, but you can flip flop those two. If it's easier for you to smell two things and then taste one thing. Um, but you just kind of do that as you're like breathing and just kind of recognizing what's going on in the moment. And sometimes I'll have people say their things out loud, especially if they're really stressed. Um, but if they're in a little bit more of like a relaxed state, I'll actually just have them not react to those questions. I'll say, just observe. So that way, instead of like thinking with words, like what exactly they notice just to try and like be there and observe that and like really experience that. Um, it's one of the best. (laughs) Yeah. And every time you allow yourself to go into that state, you're turning off that chronic, stressful thinking pattern, and you're slowly teaching your body to pay attention. And I promise, you know, Oriana's life paths have definitely been like the recipe to show it works. But the more you do those little things, just the more easy and more natural it comes. And I promise it doesn't feel as big of a thing down the road, you know, the stuff getting on my yoga mat used to be a very hard thing. And now I feel like I'm just like living like a yoga lifestyle all the time, like constantly tuning in mindfully, but it's, it's, it pieces together. It pieces itself together over time. So as tough as some of these feats can seem, your whole body will work as one. If you just slowly start giving a little bit more mindfulness practices in. Like I said, I really think connecting with your nervous system and trying to have your nervous system be at peace. It truly is one of the most spiritual. Like I've always said this people who like 
if people are praying, if people are meditating, if people are even going to like a music festival and just really in the moment, we've all had those moments where we've just been so connected, right? Like you feel so connected and at one with the universe, whether you're sitting by yourself praying or you were, you know, dancing in a dance field, like there's those moments where you just feel so at one. And it's usually those moments when everything in your body is just like so connected, you know what I mean? And like, yeah. I just really think that those moments when you're so connected to your nervous system, that's what we're supposed to be doing. Like that's what our spiritual practice is. And like that is spirituality in itself, if that makes sense. Absolutely. I fully agree. I freaking love it and we all need it. So just to review, like really looking at the dysfunction in your body, if something is popping up, maybe playing with techniques to regulate. So now we know our pelvic floor can also be a window into some of that stuff. Looking at what kind of things you can add onto your path to regulate, whether that's shaking, making sounds, finding a movement practice, um, working with a special a, a specialist, like a pelvic floor therapist, so that you can figure out how you're breathing and what you need to do. And yeah, yoga, these things that really teach your body to slowly feel safe so that you can actually have everything working as one. Um, our breath matters, our movement matters, how we connect with each other matters, and all of this definitely pieces together. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> uh, so Oriana, I love your brain. Thank you. Can you share some ways people can connect with you and support you? Yeah. So you can find my, my website is Oriana Barger movement.com. Um, you can find me at Oriana Barger on TikTok and on Instagram. And if you love astrology, I recently started a fun little astrology account too. It's called Jupiter is serotonin. Cause I believe that it is. So that's where you can find me we are going to have to have you on another time to do an astrology nerd out. I would love that. And just no, to spell, <laughs> spell your name, it's O-R-I-A-N-A and then Barger, B-A-R-G-E-R. Yep. Thank you for being here. Love ya. Love you too. Thank you so much. Yeah. Talk soon. Bye.